the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Oh, I guarantee you this ain't pre-recorded, folks. Happy Veterans Day to everyone. Uh, once again, make sure we're thanking a veteran because freedom ain't free. This is Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. Right now with me is Tom Hatton. You may know Tom Hatton is probably the most fittest person over 40 in the state of Arizona. But Tom is also the founder of Mountainside Fitness, Arizona's premier privately owned health club. Uh, there's 19 locations throughout the state, 1,500 employees, more than 100,000 active members. And I believe it was recently ranked the 14th largest health club uh, in the United States. So, Tom, my old friend Tom, how are you doing today, Tom? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Oh, it's great having you on. And you were one of the business leaders in our community, in our state, that pushed back against some of the the, the COVID lockdowns. So can you talk to our listeners, maybe talk a little bit about how you, your business was directly impacted by the COVID-19 lockdowns, and maybe you can talk about how that even impacted your um, bottom line. Well, I think, it, you know, the obvious thing is, first of all, when we were shut down the first time, you know, all business stops in general, everybody's just trying to, to do next in, in pandemic. And I think we were following that exact mentality. Uh, when that kept going on and we were closed down the second time, for us, all the rules and the pandemic took on a different form for how we how we looked at. Hey, Tom, apparently you're spending a lot of yes, money on the health club, but how much are you spending on that mobile phone you got? You're breaking in and up here. Well, so can you talk into the receiver? Of the thing? Better, I'm going to have to find a better spot in two minutes. Let me call back in two minutes. All right, two minutes, two minutes, two All minutes. Right. Let me ask you folks out there. Okay, do you need to call back, Tom? All right, he's calling back. While Tom is calling back, um, does any who goes to who's been to a basketball game? Who's been to a, a sporting event? Do they still do that thing where at the end of every quarter, before the end of the game, they go two minutes, two minutes? And why is it at hockey games they say one minute, one minute? Why not two minutes at the hockey game? I know there's three periods in hockey, four quarters in basketball, but, you know, you think the players want to know, do they only need a minute? They need two minutes. Well, apparently Tom needs two minutes. This is an important uh, reminder for folks to make sure that, uh, you know, if you are on the phone, if you're calling in today, uh, you know, make sure you're in a good spot. Make sure you got good cell coverage. Once again, this is Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich providing you unsolicited advice um, on freedom and liberty today here as we honor our veterans on Veterans Day. And uh, I'm filling in for Seth Liebson. Um, you know, see, Seth's got the day off, and he's been gracious enough to turn over the controls of the radio to myself. So thank you, everyone, for listening to The Patriot on a very patriotic day, Veterans Day. And so it is important for us to remember to continue to remember and honor our veterans. And as, as we got cut off there, uh, Tom was talking about, um, Tom Hatton from Mountainside Fitness was talking about how COVID impact, uh, how the COVID pandemic and shutdowns impacted him. 
So, Tom, are you there? Are you there? Is it live? Is it live? Well, apparently Tom's got another bad spot, apparently. Um, well, we'll see. All right, Tom, you there? I think I found you. <laughs> I Excellent. Here. Hopefully this works better. Well, ever since I sued Google, my phone never works correctly, even here at the studio, apparently. <laughs> there you go. Well, so, you were breaking down the impact on, on business, on your business, how that all came. Yeah, I think I think it's just in general, it, it, the, the beginning part, just it, uh, the actual complete stoppage and all forward momentum in all businesses was just, okay, what do we do with the stoppage? And then how do we get the train going forward on tracks? And what does that look like when, the, when we're moving forward on the tracks? Because it took so many different forms, and to this day, it's still taking different forms. Why did you think it was important to stand up? Um, and, you know, you not you weren't really a political guy before any of this. Um, and so why did you feel it was so important to stand up? Well, I think it was it was I was I was sincerely frustrated. And I think I felt uh, what was all, uh, people around me in the business community and just in the general public. I think we we're all kind of we all all the way we handled it because nobody really knew or understood anything. During the second closure, uh, I felt like that changed into political uh, strategy and really frustrating for us. And, and I felt like it was more of a liberty issue than it was a pandemic issue at that point. That's when I decided to stand up and really, you know, sue our governor and say, hey, no, this, this isn't uh, yeah, arbitrary decisions on how we close and who we close at this point. And did you, so it, it was, it was having an impact, um, uh, not only in your business, but that also, obviously, I mean, you, you have employees and, you know, it impacted them as well. Is that correct? Yeah. You know, you think about it because we just lost, we speak for many, uh, we lost millions off our, you know, bottom line and top line at this point. But what was also being lost at that same time is the confidence of the employer in to feel like they could actually come back to work and stay at work and what was going to happen. They had no idea. So as federal unemployment got on board and started to happen more, the mentality of the employees changed. And, and that's been a struggle for all businesses since that point. Uh, we want to keep it. We want to feel like we're going forward. We want them to feel like all businesses are going forward. That's just been a struggle almost since that point to, to right now. Well, I know the closures impacted businesses. It impacted, um, you know, a lot of folks physically. But there's other folks that talked about the fact that it hurt people's mental health. And I know, and maybe you can talk a little bit about this of, you know, how Mountainside Fitness was founded and just your thoughts on how important is working out to people's mental health and having a place to go where they can blow off steam. And, you know, was that something that you took into consideration or did anyone else take into consideration when they shut down gyms? Well, that was the most ironic part because as 75% of all hospitalizations and deaths of COVID came from anybody that's overweight, that is a fact. Um, And in just in general and just in your everyday life, fighting any virus disease and just common health is better when you're in better heart strength. When that happens, also you're in better mental health. And I think when both of those things weren't happening during the shutdown, shutdowns, uh, people's mentality uh, of health, their own physical well-being started to go down. And I think we've seen that as a reverse effect in COVID since we've opened up uh, because so many people were kind of trapped in their houses. They weren't working out. People that were 
uh, overweight gained more weight. People that weren't overweight gained weight. And more than anything, is the heart just wasn't as strong. I think that's the biggest thing we've, we've learned going forward from this point right now. And so there's obviously there's the health aspects, there's the mental health aspects, there's the financial impacts. But, you know, once again, maybe you can kind of walk us through your process that you, though, decided to become very active and you became a face of the litigation and pushing back against, you know, the shutdowns. And did you have any apprehension about doing that? Did you have any apprehension about suing the governor? Did you, I mean, kind of what were you thinking at that time? Well, you know, it's funny. I was raised by a teacher. My dad was a you know thirty year veteran of Pentuck uh, High School as a teacher. I'm a brother of a teacher. I'm an uncle of a teacher, and I was just raised in the mentality that this is America. We have certain inalienable rights. I mean, we just do. There's states' rights. There's our own liberties as a as a United States citizen. And I just felt like that was the time to really stand up to exercise them. And sometimes those are the most valuable when it's the hardest. We had conversations internally with my executive team, my managers, and I said, I want to do this. I feel like it's it's right for all of us, uh, not just in Mountainside, but in the business community. How do you all feel? And, and they all agreed. And, and together we went forward. And, yes, I was the face of it, but there's the mentality is sometimes, you know, those are the times where you have to say enough is enough, and, and the answer is no, and we're going to stand up for it. And that's what I felt like was the most important thing to do. First, for me, as being an American citizen, then as a business owner um, and, and forward. And did you get support within the business community? What was the reaction amongst other people, the you know other business owners, um, you know even people that weren't in the, the fitness and the health industry? Like, what, what, how, what did other people think about what you were doing? Were they like, hey, way to go, Tom. I don't want to be out there. Or, uh, you know, we just need to get through this. Like, what, what was kind of the reaction of some, some other folks you knew in business? You know, it was interesting, Mark, is the beginning of it, I, I, I put together a phone call that we had pretty much, I think it was like 55 of us on the call and uh, business leaders throughout, really, Arizona. And if I started to mention names, you would know probably three-quarters of that list that were that were on that call. And, and they represented restaurants, they represented developers, they represented hotels and movie theaters, and you name it. Everybody that you can imagine, bars, restaurants, and you know, regular businesses, uh, furniture stores, and everybody was kind of unified in the same problem. It wasn't political. We didn't talk about whether you were Democrat or Republican. We talked about what it meant to us as business owners. And and I think when I went out there and I said I was going to go do this, uh, behind the scenes there was a lot of attaboys, and I wish I could, but I can't for various reasons. And certainly I understood that, um, and I just took that to go forward. And, and we really had, you know, a crazy amount of support. I would say probably 95.5% of the public was supportive of us uh, when we stayed open, uh, whether it didn't matter what political party you were at, uh, affiliated with. Well, thank you very much, Tom, for standing up, fighting for your employees and for your business and fighting for freedom, fighting for the individual liberty of all Arizona. So thank you very much. Be safe, brother. Thanks for calling in. All right, Mark. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich filling in on Veterans Day for uh, Seth Liebson on Patriot Radio. I want to thank everyone for 
listening today and also thank all of our veterans. I actually right now have a very special guest. This is one of my all-time favorite people in the entire universe. And uh, I called him out of the, texted him out of the blue and asked him if he wanted to come on and talk about all the great work that he has done uh, as a patriot and as the Attorney General of the great state of Louisiana. Joining me now is Jeff Landry. Jeff, are you there? I'm here, General. Thank you for giving me an opportunity to visit with you and all the great listeners out there. And, you know, I echo your sentiments. I want to thank everyone out there who has served this country uh, so violently. And, and, and for those of y'all who have lost loved ones um, in uh, in battle, we appreciate every all the sacrifices they have made. And certainly uh, we work every day to make sure that it's great to do this today. Well, Jeff... Attorney General Landry, you are a, an amazing American. You've done a great job, not only for the people of Louisiana, but for the country. I mean, ever since, you know, you've been and you were in Congress before you became attorney general and you've always been a fighter for the people. And right now, maybe you can talk a little bit uh, to listeners out here about what has been going on since Bre- President Biden took office. Maybe talk a little bit about the lawlessness of his administration and what are some of the big issues that you see that us as AGs uh, need to be involved and engaged in? Maybe talk about some of the work you're doing as well. We we do, and I, and I say that we, because it's a complete team effort, we have you know, so appreciated uh, the relationship that we share with your office and with many other Republican teams. I can tell you the difference between being in Congress and being an attorney general is like night and day. I mean, Washington, you know, is completely dysfunctional. You know, until we get enough great people over in the Senate, I don't know if we can actually fix it. Here's the great news is that as attorney generals, we have done, you know, a lot of great work in pushback against, you know, the Biden administration and their overreach. I mean, look, we, we've all filed litigation against these mandates. Right, because never before has the federal government stepped in between citizens and their doctors in regards to medical procedures and their choices of health care than under President Biden. I mean, it is a complete overreach. It is, uh, I, I think, it's, it's threat to liberty. Take the OSHA rule example. I mean, if we're if that is allowed to stand, where does it stop? Right? I mean, where do you think it stops? Well, I mean, I mean, it could literally they could make any particular issue, a workplace danger, and then force Americans and uh, American workers to have, you know, all kinds of medical procedures. You know, I was just um, talking to a group of folks and I mentioned that, you know, we had a we had a hearing on Friday on one of our vaccine mandate lawsuits. And I know that my colleagues and you, we've, we've have a bunch, multiple fronts. We're fighting. We're doing everything we can to push back against the Biden overreach. And, and during the hearing, Biden's DOJ, they basically said, well, we've got to do this for public health and, you know, affects insurance premiums, all this stuff. And literally by the logic of the Biden administration, you know, you could have them forcing government contractors or people doing business with the federal government to basically say that, well, you can't eat, you know, fast food or fatty food or McDonald's or eat, drink sugary drinks. I mean, it really is an unprecedented power grab. And the logic of the Biden administration would open the door to the federal government basically micromanaging everybody's lives. I mean, bad enough, the federal government thinks they're the nanny state. Now they want to be our doctors, Jeff. Oh, absolutely. Look, I, I uh, you 
a little bit more eloquently than I've said it over the last week, but you're exactly right. I mean, they could just say that obesity in this country is a problem and that they, they could set a standard for, you know, biomat BMI and say that those people above a certain percentage, um, you know, you can't take a lunch break anymore. We're going to control your caloric intake. We're going to make you have certain medical procedures um, that thin you out. I mean, they, they, could, they could turn around and do the same thing for cardiovascular diseases and based upon saying that, well, you know what, red meat is bad for you as well. Of course, they already want to cut down the amount of red meat we, we, we eat based upon, you know, some sort of carbon, um, you know, greenhouse gas issue. I mean, they want to control us at every step of the process. And that's just not what America was built upon. I mean, the greatness of America was built upon individual responsibility and liberty. And they are just, you know, taking a sledgehammer to all of that. And, of course, it's our efforts. And, and, you know, our efforts. Go ahead. No, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm bad at this radio stuff. Well, I guess I do it at our meetings, too. I'm sorry to interrupt you. Um, They uh, what I was going to say, though, is that because you mentioned, you know, greenhouse and, you know, all this like green energy crap. And that's what it is. I don't know if I can say that on the radio, but but, you know. Uh, and I know you guys see that in Louisiana, but but what they're doing with this green energy stuff, I, I mean, I think that's part of the reason why we have we're seeing inflation, gas prices are rising, meat prices are rising. It is really out of control, and that's because of the left's assault on energy production in this country. I mean, and, and how is that affecting Louisiana, and how is that affecting the rest of the United States? Well, look, I, I can tell you, first of all, you don't have to apologize for interrupting. You're a lawyer, so you get a license to interrupt. <laughs> uh, but, but, but look... You, this, here's the sad part. The inflation that everyday Americans are seeing right now, that's actually taking money out of their pockets, you know, chewing away at their disposable income right at when we're getting up to the holiday season, right? So instead of, you know, maybe you wanted to get your kids one particular gift and not going to be able to afford it because you either have to choose between getting them that gift or filling up your car so that you can actually go to work. The reason that we're seeing that inflation is completely man-created. Okay, you want to talk about a man-created crisis? You want to talk about global warming? Let's talk about inflation. That is a man-created, that is a Biden, Democrat-created crisis that absolutely is going to affect Americans across the board, and especially this winter. You know, as we get into winter and we get cold spells that come in, the price of energy, the price it's going to cost to heat homes, just basic things are going to start to chew into the pockets of the middle class, it, and look, it affects the poor and the middle class at a much greater rate than it does the rich, right? So this is the, this is coming to you. These policies are coming to you from the group that claims that they're out there to protect us, and and it's just the opposite. They're actually really hurting Americans out there again at holiday time. It's like it's like the president's like the Grinch, right? Uh, I mean, it really is. I mean, we're gonna suffer supply chain distributions, empty shelves, high gas prices. I don't know how much worse it can get. Well, I, I appreciate all of the work you're doing and our colleagues are doing. And, you know, when someone says the attorneys general are the first line of defense, what do you think of and how, what, 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 how would you summarize that? Well, I can tell you, again, coming from someone who's worked in Washington, right, as a U.S. congressman coming into the AG world, and thank you and your staff of you know, welcoming us and giving us an opportunity to work with y'all and other Republican AGs, I can tell you we absolutely are the last line of defense because it is us through our offices and our great staff that push back against these particular mandates. 
We were so thrilled real quick. You know, Mark, I just say we were so thrilled when the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals stayed the OSHA rule just last weekend. And we're hoping that we're going to have even greater rulings coming out of out of that case in the near future. Well, thank you, brother. Be safe. And thank you so much uh, for calling in. I know I dropped this on you at the last minute. You're a good man, Jeff. Thank you so much. Thank you, General. You have a great one. Hey, welcome back, everybody. It's Arizona Attorney General Mark Burnovich. I hope everybody um, is not only enjoying their Veterans Day, but appreciating all the brave men and women who have worn our uniform and served our country. And next on the line, actually someone I know very well, um, Bill Fay. Bill, are you on the phone? I am. Can you hear me, Mark? I can. I can. Actually, uh, Bill is a dear old friend of mine as well, and uh, he's actually a lieutenant colonel in the Army. He has served in the military for, my goodness, Bill, what is it, 36 years now you've been in the military? Yeah, I, I had a little break in service when I was at Arizona State, but um, I, I've actually started my 37th year right now. Dang, and you look so good. I mean, you've uh, staying in shape. I, I, uh, I wish I could still pass a PT test. Actually, I think I can. I'm in better shape now than I've been in a long time. I don't know. Um, but uh, you have served our country, worn our uniform. You've been deployed from Pan- to Panama to Iraq. Bill, thank you so much for joining me, us today on Veterans Day and sharing a little bit of, you know, yourself today on Veterans Day. So thanks, Bill. And let me just begin by asking you, you've been in the military now. You said you're about to start your 37th year. What made you decide to join the military? What made you decide to serve the country? So I come from a very deep military family. And of course, everyone thinks their family is just normal because that's what you grew up with. Um, my father uh, was Army. Uh, he was West Point, actually. Uh, both my grandfathers were killed in World War II. Um, several of my, uh, I think three of my great-grandfathers were killed in World War I. Um, we had vet- veterans who served in the Spanish-American War. They didn't die. They didn't actually even leave the country because the war was over too quickly. Uh, we had a Bible when I was growing up at my grandmother's house that documented all the way back to the Civil War, the New York uh, 69th and 159th regiments. Um and then a number of them died all the way up to Gettysburg. So, um, you know, in our, and then right now, actually, two of my nephews are serving in the Army. One of them is under my command, and my daughter is uh, commissioning in, in uh, hopefully next month. So in our, our family, the— uh, Which branch of service is your daughter going to serve in? Uh, the Arizona Army National Guard. She is uh, she's a physical physician assistant. She's commissioned medical, medical friend. She's, a, she's going to be a direct commission officer, and of course, we, you know, we we always look down on those who are direct commissioned because you know they they tend to be. Uh, you know, well, I I appreciate find a way to make a backhanded comment at Mark, but uh, anyway. for for the listeners out there who don't know, Mark and I uh, served together in the army. He was a JAG officer, and I was an engineer. Uh, this was and just so Mark we're clear, you said JAG, J A G, not J A C K space O F F. I was a J A G. Yes, that's Okay, I just want to make sure everyone yes, understood uh, that. 
Are we allowed to spell Although those words on radio, Bill? This is going downhill quickly. Seriously, this is why they don't want me hosting and having my friends on. But I, in all seriousness... There a, there's a subtle distinction between JAG and, and, and that other stuff. But yes, you're hey, a staff... Okay, Bill, just so we're clear, it's I'm hosting a show today, not you. So just let me talk. Not oh, you. sorry. Um, right. No, no. It's all right. It's all good, man. It's all good. Seriously. And, and hey, you are an amazing human being. Thank you for your service. And just what are some of the lessons you learned during your, your military service? Uh, so uh, I had a general years ago who used to, and he was kind of being sarcastic when he said it, but a lot of times something awful would be coming down. Sometimes it was something, and he would always, he would always shrug and he'd go, yeah, it's just work. And, um, you know, he, he was right. A lot of times it's just a matter of Sometimes it's hot, sometimes it's miserable, sometimes it's going to be long, but you know what? It's just work. You just put your back into it, and, and, and things get done. And I think a lot of people forget the value of just putting into it, putting in the hours and the hard work sometimes. Uh, the other thing, and this one really didn't strike me. I was a combat, I was a line commander during the Gulf, during the, uh, not the Gulf War, but the Iraq, the invasion, the ground war. And, um, and it really just completely blasted my mind and changed my perspective. But uh, I would come home, and I remember my wife came out, and I'm standing out in the, in, in, at the night, in the night, standing out on the sidewalk. And she's like, what are you just standing out here for? And I was just overwhelmed by the feeling that, uh, that this is still a country worth fighting for. The, the people in Iraq didn't fix their windows. They didn't fix their streets because they just didn't care enough. Uh, and then things were just going to get broken again anytime. And, and this was still a country worth fighting for. I mean, there's, there's certainly a... a catastrophic nosedive uh, in, our, in our faith in government in the last year or so. But, um, but even, even with that, this is, this is still a country worth fighting for. And people in the divisiveness that's in our political environment right now and people being attacked all the time, we need to focus where we can focus again on the fact that there are a lot of really good things about America, about the United States, things that even, even compared to many of the countries that we consider some of the best in the world, America stacks up very favorably. You don't see that in the news most of the time. You don't see, oh, America's number one at this. What we do is we see, oh, America's number 30 at this. Um, but there are a lot of things that America is very, very good at, and and well, this fundamentally is a country we're standing for. Well, Bill, thank Sorry, you. Thank you. Thank you for your family, for your service. Uh, thank you for being a friend, and I look forward to seeing you soon, brother. So stay safe, and uh, all my best to your family, and thank you again for your service, Bill. Absolutely. Say hi to Susan, and I hope you've got kids coming home for Thanksgiving. Hey, it's Mark Burnovich, Arizona Attorney General, back and right now with me. Uh, Arizona's one of Arizona's premier law enforcement officials, Pinell County Sheriff Mark Lamb. Sheriff Lamb is the 24th sheriff of Pinell County. And just so maybe listeners here don't appreciate, but Pinell County is about the size of Connecticut. So when this is, we're talking about a large land area. It affects so many parts of the state. Sheriff Lamb, thank you so much for joining me today on Veterans Day. Uh, thank you, Mark, for having me on. I appreciate it. It's an honor. And you sound pretty dang good on this radio. <laughs> you know, I have a face for radio. That's what they keep telling me. So I'm not sure what that means. But uh, I'm not a handsome, good-looking cowboy like you. So uh, uh, I, I got to... I, gotta... I feel like I old Tetris bit some days. Oh, that's Hey, you're doing amazing work. And I know that I've been with you in Pinell County to seeing the impact that, you know, Biden's failed policies have had. Can you talk a little bit, let our listeners know 
How have the Biden administration's policies um, or their failed policies affected your county and how do you think it's affecting our state? Oh, I think it's a disaster for both the county and the state. Um, you know, the one saving grace before I get into how it's affected us is that is the fact that the cartel, what they bring in here is not designed to stay here in Arizona. Um, the human trafficking and the drug trafficking is designed to filter throughout America. Uh, but it's been a barrel. It's had a huge impact on us. Just to give you an idea, one of my interdiction guys, which is a canine deputy, um, he did seven traffic stops the other day. All seven of them were load vehicles with uh, human loads in there, uh, car- camouflage clothes, carpet shoes. Um, we're having almost a pursuit to two pursuits a day. So, yeah, it's having an impact on us. And we're seeing an increase in the amount of overdoses amongst our youth, amongst our our, our citizens in our community, and I know this is statewide. I just heard yesterday that Arizona is number 12 for fentanyl overdoses and number six for methamphetamine overdoses. So, yeah, just those are just a few examples of how it's affecting us negatively here in the state and in Pinal County. Well, I heard you um, recently and you were speaking, and I, I just – I was – you, you know, we hear about these numbers, the fentanyl, and we know in law enforcement how it's impacting our community and just the devastating impact of the overdose deaths you mentioned. But you had mentioned just about the number of pill seizures that you have seen in Pinell County. Um, and I don't know if you recall those comments you made, but can you maybe oh, put yeah. some context into what you've seen as far as trend lines, as far as seizures with, uh, with fentanyl in Pinell County? Yeah, so the cartel understands that there's a stigma that comes with sticking a needle in your arm or between your toes. But as one thing we do as Americans is we take pills. And so the cartel has designed a product, a fentanyl M30 blue uh, fentanyl pills, and they're bringing us in at an alarming rate. In Pinal County in 2018, we had zero M30 fentanyl pill seizures. In 2019, we had 677 pills. In 2020, we had over 200,000 M30 fentanyl pills. And this year in August, we were already over 1.1 million uh, fentanyl pills that we had seen just in the Pinal County Sheriff's Office. It doesn't even include any of the other agencies in our county. And um, just to put it into perspective, that's that's enough uh, pills, fentanyl, to kill every Arizonan, probably multiple times over. And, And the thing is, as you know, Nowadays, you know, sometimes you, you know, you have kids and I know you got kids that, you know, they, this, this so potent, they don't realize how dangerous it is. Maybe they're out somewhere or someone says, Oh, try this or they do something. And we know that a lot of products are being laced with this because it's so highly addicted because the cartels want to create dependence. And it just right. breaks my heart as an Arizonan that the Biden administration and other people just don't seem to care about the impact this is having on our community. And speaking of that, have you seen have you seen a, a rise in crimes and what types of crimes in Pinal County uh, in you know since Biden's failed policies have you know started impacting us? You know, we've been fortunate enough to see a decrease in our crime index when you take everything into consideration: prosecutions, arrests, all of that. But what we have seen an increase in, obviously, overdoses, um, but we've seen an increase in property crimes, which are break-ins to vehicles and homes, because those are typically um, crimes that are associated with an increase in drug addiction or drug use, people trying to find money or a quick way to uh, guns or computers they can sell uh, for some money. And so we've seen an increase in those types of crimes, which are directly correlated uh, with an increase in drugs coming into our community. Look, America 
this is a this is going to be a scourge on America. The amount of pills and the amount of drugs that are being allowed to come into this country. And it is you're right. It's shameful that this government, uh, this Washington Biden administration, is failing to do their job. It's putting all of us at risk, and it, it's sad to watch. And you mentioned earlier, you mentioned high-speed pursuits. Can you help the listeners understand, like, the context? What you know? What what? How, how big is the increase, and why should people? You know, why does that matter? Oh, it matters because it puts us all in danger. And what it, what a, what a pursuit starts off is we go to pull a traffic stop, and the vehicle either takes off on us or. We pull them over, and as soon as they pull over onto the the side of the road and we stop, they take off on us. Um, It happens a lot of different ways, and then we get in these high-speed pursuits where they're traveling at sometimes excess of 100 miles per hour, putting our our community residents at at risk, and then they'll bail out of the vehicle and run into neighborhoods, and we're forced to try to track these folks down. So it creates a lot of dangerous situations for our community, um, but these are also the vehicles that are trying to traffic uh, people that are coming in this country illegally, a lot of them with criminal histories, and same people are also trafficking drugs into our community. So we feel a responsibility to stop these people from, from bringing crime into our state, our county, and frankly, America. And if you, Sheriff, could, you know, we know the Biden administration and, you know, his enablers in Congress have ignored this crisis, ignored this catastrophe. If you could say one thing to President Biden, Secretary Mayorkas, the Biden administration, to help alleviate this crisis, what would you tell them or what would you say? I would say secure the border. We are a willing partner. We are ready and, and, and we're doing our job. We're willing to help them out. I'm not a, I don't want to be an adversary to them, but at the same time, I can't allow them to not do their job. So I guess my one message would be, please do your job and secure the border. That is what we need. If they don't do that, this is going to have a a serious impact on our economy, on our crime levels in our community, on the overdoses we're going to see, um, drugs. The list goes on and on, and it starts right there at the border. And last thing, running against the uh, break here, but I know when we were down there, um, just what were you seeing in the desert? Just not not only the human impact, but what about um, what are you finding in the desert? What kind of impact is this having on the environment as well? Oh, they leave trash everywhere. And, it's, you know, these uh, environmental groups are nowhere to be found. They leave people for dead out there. They use children as pawns. They abuse and extort the men and women. I mean, it's just uh, that list goes on and on, too. But we're doing our best to protect our communities. I can hear the music, so I know it's time to go. Oh, sorry. Thank you for bringing attention to it as well. Well, thank you, Sheriff. Thank you, brother. Be safe. Hopefully see you soon. God bless, Mark. Thank yep. you. Good talking to you, Thank you. Thanks. Hey, welcome back, everybody. Attorney General Mark Brnovich. Right now with me is Arizona State Senator Nancy Bartow. Uh, Senator Bartow serves Legislative District 15. She is also the chair of the Senate Health and Human Services Committee. Senator, thank you for joining me today. My pleasure. Good to hear your voice. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for all you do. I wanted to talk to you just a little bit about um, Senate Bill 1457. Uh, Can you tell us, the listeners, a little bit about that bill, and you would sponsor that bill and what it does? Yes, sure. Um, you know, I am just so proud to live in a state that uh, that values life, all life, 
but uh, I've been uh, so deeply saddened to see um, that uh, pre-born children with genetic abnormalities, especially Down syndrome, have regularly been discriminated against mm-hmm. and singled out for abortion um, based solely on their disability. And Senate Bill 1457, the main um, part of that bill protects and bans, uh, protects those children and bans those types of discriminatory abortions. Um, I'm just very, very troubled that that is going on um, throughout the world. Uh, it is so common, um, such as um, in countries like Denmark and Iceland, where basically almost all of their unborn babies diagnosed to have Down syndrome are snuffed out by abortion before their very first breath. And uh, in the United States, that um, that number is getting scarily close to that at 67 percent. You have definitely been a champion of the unborn and a champion for life. And we have seen left-wing groups, even out-of-state groups, filing lawsuits to try to stop these protections. Um, How frustrating is it to you as a legislator uh, when these groups are filing these lawsuits against bills that are trying to protect life? You know... It's no surprise that the abortion industry files these these lawsuits. I mean, you kind of expect them. Um, I'm certainly grateful for your strong defense of the law, General Brnovich. And uh, even though we we drew a poor judge to begin with, I'm confident that in the end um, our law is going to be upheld because, you know, our Constitution is um, is basic. It its basic premise is to protect life life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. So, you know, those in the abortion industry, you almost expect it. When when we've got a, a, a law like this that's already been upheld in other states, is, is already uh, being, uh, is, is in force in four other states and was upheld in the spring in Ohio, you know, it's just a matter of time for it to go into effect here in Arizona and protect children. What I, what I think your listeners may not know, though, is that the Arizona Medical Association joined with the abortion industry to overturn this law. You know, that is, that's what's very frustrating. Abortion is not health care. But, uh, you know, well, more and more, patients just can't assume their doctors don't encourage these discriminatory, discriminatory practices, and they want to continue to practice them. Well, Senator, I'm sorry we're up against it. Thank you so much for everything you're doing. Thanks for having me. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.